Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Tuesday night? I'm oh, doing all right. Uh, got through the uh, got through the birthday pretty unscathed. I think as you get older, it's not about going out to a bar and making a spectacle of yourself anymore. And no. this time, I mean, with they got the March Madness with the college basketball, they got the steady eye. And all I want to do for my birthday is enjoy some Guinness and watch some uh, watch some calcio, watch some college basketball because the tournament always goes hand in hand with my birthday. And uh, I got my wish. <laughs> I really didn't want to do much more than that. So. Well, chin chin. Um, yes. yes. Salute. Um, I've got spotted cow in bottle form, which is a pretty good experience. I just, right. I can't ship that to you. That'll, that'll all break. So <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking a little uh, Sierra Nevada juicy little thing IPA, hazy IPA. So yeah, that's good. There you go. Good. There you go. Always. And uh, uh, if you're in the chat, if you're enjoying a beverage tonight, just tell us what you're drinking. Uh, that would be good to know. Um, you know, we, uh, pretty packed show here tonight richard and uh i guess we have to since uh we won't be on next week seeing that there won't be any city we'll let everybody relax and enjoy the international break and uh you know and then we can come back strong after that but um needless to say we've got um we've got some uh interesting things to talk about two big derbies that took place on sunday so yeah uh city did end with a bang um or <laughs> go go into the international break with a bang um, it also went in with uh, men behaving very, very badly on the pitch uh, in City, <laughs> especially toward the end of the game. Some, yeah, uh, some red cards and people not liking uh, what they're saying about each other's mothers uh, or sisters or whatever it might have been, been there between D'Ambrosio and Paredes uh, in particular. So, oh my god! Um, so we have those going on. We have the rest of Match Week 27 to talk about. We're going to give you our reaction to. Uh, all of the draws uh, in Europe, uh, spoiler alert, we're pretty happy with a 75% chance that a City Odd team will make the final of the Champions League. But yeah. Benfica is really damn good. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. And uh, also, uh, we'll talk um, a little Azzurri with the call-ups and uh, uh, get ourselves primed for Italy v. England on Thursday, kicking off uh, qualification uh, for the European Championships 2024, Richard. But uh, how about we kick it off with that Derby d'Italia? Yeah, a little bit of a big game, right? Uh, two uh, hated uh, rivals there between Inter and uh, Juventus. Um, Inter came out with a 3-5-2 as the, I guess they're on the road, right? I don't even remember who was at home. <laughs> Inter, Inter was home. Inter was home. Eduardo's yeah. here, so he, he can correct me too as well. Uh, Inter came out to 3-5-2, Onana in goal with back three of Darmian, De Vrij, and Acerbi. Uh, midfield of Donfries, Barella, Brozovic, Chalanolu, and Di Marco with Lukaku and, of course, Lautaro Martinez up top. Uh, strong lineup, Frank. Thoughts on the back three in particular? Obviously, no screen yard in this game. Um, right, watching the game from the sidelines. Uh, thoughts on, on, on the turn 11 for Inter? Starting to see that a lot more now with, you know, Darmian being part of that back three and, and providing some support for Dumfries. They went to that in the game at Porto. 
so they are comfortable with with going to that as an alternative if they don't have uh, Skriniar available to them. Uh, so, you know, that's the first thing that, that jumps out at you. You've got play, you've got DeMarco who can provide some service. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Brozovic now who adds some more bite to that midfield, mm-hmm. um, you know, where, where Chalinolu was deputizing in that role. And I have to say Chalinolu was, has been really, really good, um, you know, in the Brozovic role for Inter you know, is he Brozovic? No, but is has he been serviceable? Absolutely. Uh, so now you've got Brozovic now through the middle to help provide some cover, provide some protection for the back three. You know, the role that he plays is he diffuses anything on the break. And in a game like this, you knew that Inter was going to have more of the ball, that Allegri was going to set his team up to sit, sit back. What do we say about Inter all the time? How do you make him uncomfortable? You give him the ball. So... Um, and Brozovic is in there to defuse any counters that Juventus try to attempt, especially through the middle. And then you've got Lukaku trying to provide the hold-up play, Lotaro trying to move around and find room. Um, so uh, you could re- you could really easily see going into the game the, where Inter were going to be able to find some opportunities. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I thought, uh, and it was, a, it was a strong lineup. I was always curious about the back three. Obviously, Echeverri's been playing really well up lately. The question be, how would Devry handle the the pressure of Lahovic and, and and the attack by Juventus? But overall, I think it was a, it was a good lineup for Inter. And looking at the road team, Juventus came out with a three-five-one-one. Obviously, Tech Chesney in goal. Uh, back three of Gatti, Bremer, and Danilo with the midfield of Kostic, Rabio, Locatelli, Fagioli, and Deschelio. Uh, and then you had uh, Sule with Vlahovic up top. Uh, thoughts on the lineup and the insertion of Gatti in the in the back three. I, uh, I personally like uh, seeing Gatti back there. I, I, I've been high on him since he's joined the team. But uh, thoughts on on the back on the back three and in, as their starting eleven as a whole. I think Gatti's made a lot of improvements this season yeah. um, and and warrants this start. Um, I mean, I think that Juventus learned the hard way against Sampdoria that you just can't play Leonardo Bonucci anymore. Um, he's really at the end of his, he's really at the end of his career. He can't defend, he can't cover, he can't, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's good for a long ball and that's it. And do you no really Chiellini. Wanna, Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have Chiellini next to him to bail him out. Bazzale, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what was it back in the, in the, you know, when, um, it was, uh, <clears throat> the Milan players were all wishing a happy birthday to Franco Baresi, the old, the old, the old back four and, and Gali and, and Costa Corta. In particular, in his meshes, thank you for bailing me out so many times. It's just yeah. like, you know, Bonucci needed Chiellini, kind of like Costa Corta needed Brezzi a lot uh, throughout <laughs> his career. So um, I thought uh, y- you know exactly what you're getting with this event to set up. It's going to be compact. It's going to be trying to limit the chances from Inter, uh, make them predictable, and then try to beat them going the other way. Yeah. And it's in this lineup scream counterattack. Um, I thought, you know, if Zoggy was smart about it, he would have tried to force Juventus to have the possession and let themselves play on the counterattack, which they didn't, obviously. And Allegri's a master of that, you know, he plays to his strengths, and his strengths is the counterattack, obviously. And he, he did that uh, in bunches in this game. And so, yeah, two strong lineups from both these teams. Um, a very good game uh, all the way around. I thought, uh, obviously, a derby that had a lot Rock of fight. tension. I a mean, rock just, fight. 
a big time rock fight <laughs> tension. I mean, at the end, the, the fireworks that were going on, um, good chances uh, early on by both teams. I mean, Barella had a great chance early on that, that Tech Chesney had to made a great save on. Um, yeah, two, both... two saves on Barella. Two saves. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, it's two saves. And um, the first half started out with a bang. And of course, you know, you can't have these kind of games with any kind of controversy. The 23rd minute uh, ball gets played to Robbie Yo. Does it hit his hand? Does it not? Goes over to Vlahovic. Does it hit his hand? Does it not? Goes back to Robbie Yo. He makes a nice move around the defender. Uh, finds Kostic and Kostic well placed shot underneath Darmian's legs. Dumfries play, tweeting tweeting to somebody. I don't know what the hell he was doing back there. Completely screens on Nana. Goes for the goal. One nothing there. Um, thoughts on the goal? I mean, a lot of happening in this first half, but in particular, controversy strikes and thoughts. It was a handball for you. No handball. Good goal. No good goal. Thoughts. Uh, it, it was a handball on Vlaovic. I didn't quite see the Rabio handball. I had seen a couple of people putting stuff on Twitter and things like that. But I thought the Vlaovic. I thought Vlaovic definitely brought the ball down with his arm on the way down, or his arm was involved, and 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 they should have been looked at. Um, but it wasn't. Um, I think. Juve caught into where they were going to catch them, getting, you know, when when Dumfries plays for Inter, Inzaghi wants to push him into high positions, into high wide positions and to try to stretch things out. Um, and if you, you know, the game plan from there, when you watch it, Dumfries going forward, playing higher and wider, the idea there, pin Kostic back so that he's not part of anything going forward on a counter or can't do anything dangerous. Uh, but then Juve is able to go the other way and Kostic is able to make the run. You know, say what you want about the handballs or all that other stuff. It's Kostic getting in the right, getting in the position. And then um, I believe Dumfries, I don't know if he finally recovered or not, but I don't know Darmian was back there. Onana never saw the ball. No. Um, and then it's a goal. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, the difference with that game See, and that's where Dumfries kind of gets, you know, some negative marks here when you take, you know, the defensive responsibility of being a right wing back. He executed it to the fullest against Porto. Yeah. And I think that that was in large part because they had to defend a lead. Any, they were defending a lead, so his responsibilities changed. Nil-nil, he probably plays as if, okay, I can get away with playing higher. Darmian can can cover for me. And if he wins the ball, I'll just stay in this high position and get the ball. So you see some of that going on. Um, But clever on Juventus to, to find Kostic and for clever of Kostic to attack that space. And, um, but really the the reality is, is this, this goal should have been called back and we should still be at zero, zero. I think, I think Rabiot deserves a lot of credit with the, the move he made around the defender, I forget if it was Chalanolo or, or Barella or whom it was, uh, and then finding Kostic and then Kostic again with the placement of the shot. Um, smart to wait for Darmian to commit and then go underneath him. Goes into a location where Dumfries is blocking the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper had no chance. I mean, no chance at all. You can't really fault Onana on the play. Certainly, Dumfries and, and, and Darmian are going to take the blame for this. Um, I'm going to slightly disagree about the, the goal not being allowed. Um I, I've seen the stills around, and I'll get a lot of flack for this. And that's fine. Uh, I see a lot of stills going around of you know the potential Rabio handball, Vlahovic handball. Um, I'm curious in the takes of you know the our in-house uh, uh, referee Michael Lisi, and you know those are the likes of like Christina Uncle and stuff like that. What their thoughts are? I didn't I didn't catch how what, any of those commentary there, but 
I don't know if it, either of those plays were intentional handballs, and I, it might have deflected off the body first before hitting the arm. I, I never really saw a good replay of it, so I'm I'm okay with the non-call. Um, I agree with you though; it should have gone to VAR and then have VAR. Mm-hmm. If I saw those replays and maybe you know VAR saw that too, they would have called it back too. But I was okay with the non-call originally. I've seen much worse blatant handballs that weren't called that I was more furious with. So that's why I was I was okay with this. Um, even if it was it was against Milan, it would have been the same the same way. Um, but yeah, it stinks. In, in a derby, this magnitude, you don't want a game to be decided by that, um, right. that kind of play. And it did, and it's unfortunate for that in that regards. But I mean, um, nonetheless, Juventus made good on the on the play that they had, the opportunity they had, and they took advantage of the lead there, one nothing at that point. Um, and Juventus, uh, well, obviously, Barella, I think, got a yellow. Eventually, got a yellow a few minutes later. Barella was fiery in this one. Um, there's a play where it got really feisty where. Lukaku got a high boot to the face by Bremer. Hit, they go, they square up toe to toe. Barella's in the face of the referee. Barella gets a, a yellow card. I mean, tensions were ratcheted up from the beginning of this one. Yeah. Um, uh, Gatti also got a yellow on the play, uh, or within a minute of that, or you know whatever. And so high tensions went to halftime, one nothing. Um, I thought a decent, decent first half. It's the derby, which you want to see a rock fight, like you said. High tensions, some opportunities both ways. Both keepers had to make some saves, I think. First half assessment. What are your thoughts on, on what we saw in the first half? Uh, I, you know, I think Juventus did their job. Um, you know, I they the way they defend and the way they set up. Okay, I mean, the most dangerous chance that they had was the 18th minute. The the combination between Barella and Lukaku. Lukaku, yeah, that's great. That man. that Chesney makes the point blank save. I don't know if the first attempt from Barella is really all that dangerous because it's from distance and Chesney can see it. So he's in a, and he's in a position. And I think that when Juventus set up, they're more than happy to let you shoot from distance because they have a goalkeeper that they trust that'll be able to – and you better score a worldly upper 90, otherwise he's saving it. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, that was the one chance from distance that troubled Chesney, and it really didn't even really trouble him. Okay, and then yeah. uh, the one chance – the one dangerous chance that they had was the nice bit of combination play that Barella probably should have done a little bit better with. I mean, I, I, and that's being harsh because, I mean, he did, he, he did strike the ball clean, ball's bouncing. Uh, you know, the technique on it was very, very good. But still from that position, you, you want to get a finish there. Um, but I thought aside from that, where it was great hold-up play from Lukaku, where Inter really missed the consistency of that with him. Um yeah. You know, he he doesn't do it all of the time anymore. I mean, when they went on their title run, I mean, everything went through Lukaku and he yeah. lost games. But now he's kind of a shell of that. Injuries have kind of damaged him. And I think he's just played so many games throughout his career. Um, but now you've got the – so, again, we come back to the combination. But other than that, Juve made Inter predictable, okay? Um, and Inter's resigned to shoot from distance. I mean, they didn't really carve out anything – dangerous beyond the Barella chance in the 18th minute. I mean, as Kyle said, you know, this is a very Juventus performance, shut down Inter, they couldn't really get anything going. In particular in that first half, um, I thought Inzaghi did some good adjustments by bringing on the likes of Mkhitaryan, I thought, in the second half. Um, also bringing on D'Ambrosio for Federico DeMarco, um, who I thought was oddly quiet in the game. He had one great opportunity, which was saved. It went off the back of, of a Juventus defender, maybe Gatti or De Chilio. I think it was De Chilio, actually. Um, but other than that, really, DeMarco is pretty quiet for me. Um, 
game started r- ramping up. Rabio gets a yellow, you know, somewhere in the 70th, 75th minute or so. Uh, more substitutions come on. Joaquin Carrera come in. I mean, you Inter really throwing everything in the kitchen sink trying to get a goal here. Edinjeko comes in, as is Bellanova for um, uh, Dumfries. Tense is getting ratchet, ratcheted up. You get, like, what, six minutes of stoppage time. Uh, you had some chances. Ultimately, the game ends, and, you know, D'Ambrosio and Paredes, Paredes, forever shithousery guy who likes to get in fights with everybody, uh, was doing his best damn job to piss off D'Ambrosio. They both get red cards, ultimately. Um, fights the game all day around. I, I mean, I enjoyed this derby. This derby was, you know, had tension, was uh, drama, had controversy, and everything. Didn't have all the goals that you'd expect, but nonetheless, I was very entertained by this game. Uh, what are your thoughts overall on this uh, this game, one nothing victory by Juventus? I, I thought it was an. I thought it was a, a, a. I thought it was a competitive game. Obviously, a very hard fought game. Um, I, you know, there were quality chances from both teams, even though there wasn't a lot on target. I think uh, Hube scored their only chance. No, they had three chances on target, so they forced one on in a couple of saves that didn't really trouble them. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was like we've been saying. It was just a rock fight. I mean. Um, it was physical. I, I think Anthony used the word cagey uh, in the chat. Um, I will, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of man of the match uh, candidates uh, here on the Juventus side. Um, I thought that Locatelli put in a very assured performance from the midfield, yeah. uh, you know, for starters. I think if you want to look there, uh, you can look there. I think he had the he had the chance from distance that Onana saved. Yeah, it was great during the second half that could have put yeah. away that could have put the game away. Um, but uh, I want to, you know, I I kind of want to give it to Bremer. Okay. Um, you know, and, and we'll we'll stick with the theme because last week we were talking about Inter and Porto and and and, and Francesco Chabi made Bremer an after. Or, I mean, Bremer made Taremi mm-hmm. an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think Lukaku faced the goal all game because of Bremer. Back pressure was immense, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he forced him into situations where he couldn't turn and be dangerous. And then I think you can give some credit to Gatti, who defended Lautaro Martinez well, too. I mean, yeah, that would have been my man of the match there. Um, I thought both of them were, I thought both of them were outstanding in their roles. Um, I mean, the course of 90 minutes for Lataro Martinez and you limit him to one block shot. Okay. Uh, Romelu Lukaku was done after 79 minutes. He had one shot off target he had the one big chance that he created for Barella, but that was it. Um, the forwards got non-existent in this game. Um, Gatti, Bremer, you can flip a coin between either of those guys over who you thought was the better one. And I won't argue with you. I'll just go with Bremer because I just thought masterful job in putting Lukaku under, keeping him from turning and doing anything extraordinarily dangerous. It was just the one chance for Berdella, and that was it. Um, but collectively, Juventus as a whole limited Inter's two most likely sources for goals to two shots combined. Um, yeah. And 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 that's a that's just that's that's stellar defending. It was a you know and and and. I don't like saying masterclass very often, but that was a defensive masterclass by Juventus. 
Yeah, and and I won't and I won't argue if you if you or anyone else says Bremer. I, I think Bremer did a fantastic job, and I, I would just give us I, I would give it to to Gatti just because no one saw it coming from Gatti. You kind of yeah. expect it from Bremer more more so sure. than Gatti, but either way, both guys did really well. I think you know Kostic gets some credit too for for the goal that he scored, and he was instrumental in the, in the few attacks that Juventus did have. Allegri also deserves a lot of credit for the game plan that they instilled. What would what would you say if I said? There's clearly a second best team in City A, and that team is Juventus. What would you say? Uh, I, I wouldn't fight you. I mean, right now they're in seventh because of the 15 point deduction. You give them back those 15 points, they're in second, four points clear of Lazio. Yeah, still 15 uh, behind Lazio, but still or, 15 uh, behind Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. <laughs> but still, yeah, but, and it's, but, they're not fantastic to watch, but it's very Allegri. They get results, they play defense, uh, and yeah, it just it doesn't look great a lot of the times. Like in this one, but they find a way to win, and that's the most important thing. They're actually playing def- well defensively at the moment, and so you have to give Allegri a lot of credit. And Juventus, despite being 15 points back, I mean, anything can happen. We we still don't know that they don't get those 15 points back. They might. They might. They if might. they do, that changes the whole top it, four uh, it does. trajectory. But, yeah, you got to give Juventus credit whether you like them or, or hate them. There's 11 games left, and they're seven points out of fourth with the penalty right now. That's going to look uh, bad not... for anybody that beat in the top four with 15 points back. What's that? Anybody in the, any, If they get into the top four, that looks bad for every team that doesn't make the top four with their 15-point deduction. Yeah, I, we said that, and we said that a few weeks ago. We said did complete indictment on the teams that had it in their hands to be able to get the points that they need. And it would not shock me if they can continue playing like this and getting results like this that, I mean – Milan, Lazio, Roma, Atalanta, they're all, like I said, they're all cannibalizing. Inter in that mix, they're yeah. cannibalizing each other right now. Um, yeah. Except for Napoli. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, and we started by saying they were, they're all cannibalizing each other to Napoli's benefit. Napoli will just keep running away with the title. But now they're all cannibalizing each other to Juventus' is- benefit. <laughs> yeah. That they're going to be able to catch them and oh possibly, possibly grab a place in the top four. And it wouldn't surprise me Unreal. if they ended up in the top four finish. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's uh, it's an indictment for the rest of the league, but it also it's full credit to Allegri and, and the way that Juventus have kind of rebounded through all of this, and they probably used this as a lightning rod to help them propel them. They were already doing well before the 15-point deduction, and then now they probably used it as like uh, another chip on their shoulder that say, hey, look, no one's going to believe in us. We're going to go and beat everybody on the way yep. you know back into the top four. So, you know. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So... I think you can enter, I think, on a different day against a different opponent with everything that was going on here. They win. I mean, but yeah. they just they, they played a team that kept them out, defended really well, made them predictable. Um, when you see the kind of statistical output, Mikatarian, I think, came on and was very effective. He just couldn't get anything on target. He couldn't get anything to trouble Chesney. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was – like I said, just uh, just a, a defensive masterclass from Juve um, yeah. on the way to winning. Uh, the other derby that took place, Richard, uh, on Sunday, the Derby della Capitale, uh, Lazio-Roma. Um, home match for Lazio, and didn't we predict this, mm-hmm. that they would beat Roma, right? Yes, sir. Yes, we got to go back. I, I, we called this one. Um, uh, traditional Saudi 4-3-3, Provedel and goal. Marusic, Casale, Romagnoli, Husai, 
Um, and then uh, Cataldi flanked by Luis Alberto and Milinkovic Savic. Felipe Anderson in the false nine with Zakanyi and Pedro left and right. Uh, thoughts on this lineup here? No Immobile, obviously. Um, uh, and uh, or Immobile from the substitutes bench, in fact. Uh, not starting. Vecino suspended. Thoughts on what Saudi put out against Roma here? Yeah, I mean, I know they they really try to recover Immobile in time for the game, and the best they could do is get him on for the bench, which I think was fine because I think we've said this numerous times that Lazio almost play better without Immobile because they're not so. There's no indictment on him. He's a fantastic player, one of the best goal scorers ever in Serie A. But they seem to play without the the crutch of Immobile. When Immobile is in the game, you have they have this feeling that they want to give him the ball. And, and rightly so, he's a great goal scorer. When he's not there, it's more of a team game. You see the front three really interchange with each other really well. They change spots sometimes. Um, the, the passing and connection seems really good. Uh, so, yeah, it, I like this lineup. I think overall, you know, obviously, Zakani, Felipe Anderson, and Pedro are going to be uh, a, a dynamic trio there. And obviously, Luis Alberto, anytime he starts in a game with Milinkovic Savage, that's a plus. And Cataldi, you know, is one of the better choices that Sadi can make at, at this position. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a good line. And Casale and Romagnoli, they've been very strong as of late, and Provadel is, is a fantastic keeper. So, yeah, I, I like this lineup. Good, good. Uh, Roma with a 3-4-2-1. Patricio with uh, Mancini, Smalling, Ibanez across the back. Zalewski and Spinazzola in the wingback positions. Vinaldum and Cristante in the middle. Uh, P- Pellegrini and Dybala in their playmaking roles with Andrea Belotti up front. Thoughts on Roma? Dabala play that that surprised me just watching this game, but that, no, I digress. Um, I, I I have to agree with Kyle. He says Roger Ibanez doesn't have a great history in the derby. He does not. He must hate this game. I mean, they should just bench him every time this this game comes up. Uh, I know they don't really have a choice, but uh, you know whatever. But overall, I like the lineup. I, I like seeing Zalewski and Spinazzola both out there. Um, we'll get to Zalewski and how he impacted this game later, but. Overall, I like this uh, this this starting eleven. Um, fairly solid. Always good to see Genie Wijnaldum, a healthy Genie Wijnaldum in the game. Um, I thought he was uh, pretty good in the game overall for the most part. Uh, another another feisty game, just like Derby d'Italia. It ended up being your typical Mourinho. All right, we're going to park the bus. I mean, in the first half was evident of the VAT in particular. I mean, it had to be you know, after the red card to Ibanez in the 32nd minute. But for the most part, um, uh, Roma set up to try to break on Lazio. Um, You know, Lazio certainly dominated possession. You look at the first half of this game. I mean, the shots were five to four, two on target for Lazio uh, that, you know, called Patricio into a couple of important saves. Provedel had to make a big save in the first half. Yes. Um, so the goalkeeper is looking really good here in the first half. But then um, Ibanez, to uh, Kyle's point, second yellow gets sent off in the 32nd minute. Um, and Roma are suddenly down to 10 men. What did you make of Ibanez and in, in, in the fouls he committed? The first one was stupid. That was obviously mm-hmm. a yellow card. I think the referee had no choice but to give him a second yellow because it was a stupid play. Had he not been on a yellow, I think you could get away with not calling the yellow there. But all eyes are in Ibanez at that point. It's a stupid play by him. He shouldn't have gone in there. It, it, it's a it's a yellow, but it's a soft yellow. But again, you're already on a yellow. I get and I I get it too. You're in a big game like this. You should try to not make be the impact. I'm talking about the referee not being impacting this game, and he does. But I, it's also like Ibanez kind of left him no choice. I mean, he yeah. threw himself at Milinkovic Savic and knocked him over. 
after a turnover that he caused, it's like, what are you going to do, man? You Don't put yourself in that position. We say this numerous times. Don't put yourself in stupid positions that you leave the call up to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's what Ibanez does routinely in these kind of games, especially the Derby. And we saw in this game, 30 minutes in, 32 minutes in, he puts his team in a big deficit. Yep. Yep. Definitely. To the point where Dybala has to come off at halftime uh, for Lorente. Uh, so that there can be an added defender to try to absorb, um, to absorb things. It doesn't. I mean, Lazio clearly has more of the ball. They dominate this game. I mean, that red card changed a lot and took a lot of possibilities away from Roma. Um, and uh, there would be a goal here from Zakanyi in the 65th minute. Yep, yeah. to put Lazio in front, one uh, nil. Thoughts on the goal here? I mean, it was just a beautiful goal. Uh, you know, Luis Alberto finding Felipe Anderson. Felipe Anderson made this marvelous little flick. I mean, just beautiful touch by him to just ever so get it past Zalewski. And Zalewski completely misreads this play. And to his chagrin, it's Zakani, of course, on the other end. And Zakani, goal of the week candidate, if not goal of the week. It was just a beautifully struck ball uh, past Rui Patricio. But, I mean... As beautiful as the play that Lazio made, I think Zalewski deserves a lot of um, flack for this because he completely misreads his play. And granted, it's a, it's a beautiful play by Felipe Anderson. It's hard to guess when those are going to happen. But, I mean, it completely left Zakani unmarked and didn't know where the hell he was. And all of a sudden, the ball goes right by him, and Zakani comes in one-on-one with the goalkeeper. So, um, great for Lazio. I mean, wonderful goal. And, and of course, in a game like this, you thought it would either be Felipe Anderson or Zakani. And, of course, Zakani shows up. Zakani such a fantastic play this year. We've talked about it for even when he was a Hellas, uh, such a good player. And and now he's really, you know, getting the notoriety that he deserves, uh, especially with a goal like that in this kind of game. Uh, good for him and good for Lazio. Was he snubbed this round yes. of call-ups? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Okay. 100%. Who do you take out? Uh, one of the new boys. <laughs> I'd probably go with uh, Pafundi. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, you got – I. I Pafundi, great story. 17-year-old Udinese, you know, give him a chance. Why not? Uh, but Sakani is arguably the best attacker right now for uh, the Azzurri. We'll get into the lineup when we see that. But I, I, I challenge anyone outside of Vincenzo Grifo to tell me that they're better than Sakani at the moment. Anybody. And uh, you'll find a hard, you'll find a, find a hard to change my mind. Yeah, I heard somebody saying that maybe Grifo shouldn't be in the team for Zakania, and I just thought that was ridiculous. I actually, almost borderline hilarious. Grifo's really good. You know I mean, he's having a fantastic 13 goals this year in, in Bundesliga. Like, get out of here. Yeah, that's just somebody who doesn't watch enough. He just does. And I, I, you sound like the English Twitter. fans. You sound like the English fans when you do so. Well, people oh, can go to Twitter and find out who said it. I'm not going to say his name. No, I mean, he's fine. kind of a notorious <laughs> guy. That's no, fine. But he mentioned Gnonto or Grifo, and those are two guys who are in really good form for their clubs. Gnonto yeah. probably not with the goals and assists that Grifo has, but I mean, Gnonto's playing really well on a shitty team. Um, you know, so. The only, yeah. argument I'll, only argument I'll say about Grifo is that maybe you could say that maybe it doesn't fit Mancini's style, but I mean, he's such a talented player. Like, you got to have him in there. You know, hard to leave him out. I mean, you got Berardi, Chiesa, Gnonto, Grifo, Politano, who are kind of your, you know, wide forwards, which. <clears throat> Is it Orsolini, maybe? You know, just I don't know. If you really wanted to, you could. I mean, Mendragora didn't make the team, did he? No, he didn't make the team. No, he didn't. That's what I mean. 
That was another surprise. Or Salini. I mean, give those guys a chance, you know? Five, six, seven, eight. He's got 10 defenders in this team. We'll talk about them a little bit later. But Play them all at once. <laughs> I don't know why you need so many defenders. Or why do you need four goalkeepers, too? I mean, I get it. They're all playing well. Um, but Most part. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's somebody you can I, – I, I think there's somebody that you can make room for Zakanya for sure. Um, but, you know, to, to suggest Grifo was just – irresponsible um so uh just totally irresponsible and it's just you know it's just, it's just lack of knowledge so you're not going to get that here at city i sit down you're going to get knowledge and we're going to inform you we're not going to give you outrageous takes about how somebody having a couple of good games for a club and then he's there he's and then and then we're going to come on a podcast and say he's suddenly that team's best player someone on juventus um someone on juventus his name's fajoli and i I, I, I won't tell you who said that. I only caught wind of it through somebody else. And it's, you know, I'll just say there's four letters. So, and and leave it at that. I, mean, I might be giving too much away at that point. <laughs> so. What are we talking um, about? Lazio Roma. That? What are we talking about? Lazio Roma. Yeah, Let's come back to Lazio Roma. I just, I'm, <laughs> I just, I, 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 I got side. I only wanted to drift off in a tangent and just rant about people saying irresponsible things just to gain viewers, which is just, irres- which is just stupid. So. You're not going to get that here at City. I'll sit down. We're we're trying to equip you with the knowledge of the Calcio over here. So um, I thought you were just going to say we just give you the stupid. <laughs> that's who. That's for who on Calcio Twitter. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Lots or Roma have lost three out of four now uh, in Serie A. That three four loss to Sassuolo. They did beat Juve. Uh, but there's losses to Cremonese and Lazio and Sassuolo in there. Time to worry about Roma a little bit, or are we just are we jumping the gun? I think it's jumping the gun. I mean, obviously the derby was always going to be difficult, and it's it, it's the game is almost predictable just because it's how it's gone. The, the you know one team will win one way, and then you know when whoever's home usually wins. Typically, typically, as you know, say Sassuolo's won what, four games in a row now, so they're a little bit of a yeah. hot streak at the moment. Cremonese is trying to you know fight for survival, so that's not too surprising there. And so, yeah, I think it's uh, and then plus they're still in, in, in European play, and so they're playing on multiple fronts at the moment. And so, I, I think it's not a time to worry, it's just it's a little bit of a rough patch for them. Hopefully, they can come out of it. Um, I still think that they're very much in the mix for this top four, and they just got to get some results going their way. But uh, obviously, it does not look good when you have like you know three out of four losses uh, to the teams that are mostly below you outside of Lazio. Yeah, yeah. But Lazio on a heck of a run now. All of a sudden, um, you know, and, and and really looking like they're on the cusp of running away with a Champions League place. Uh, Getting bounced by Odset Alkmaar in the Conference League might be the best thing that's happened to him here yeah. because Lazio yes. and the other things defensively they have not conceded a goal in their last five games in Serie A. Um, that's that's pretty damn impressive for a Lazio team that we thought defensively was always a disaster. But we got to continue to sing praises about this team. Probadel got a call up, rightfully so. Certainly earned it. Um, you yeah. know. Wonderful goalkeeper. Romagnoli got a call up, rightfully so. Certainly yes. deserves it. Someday, Nico Casale is going to be in this Azzurri team. Okay, yeah. um, you know, too good not to not to keep leaving out. Um, I'd easily have him in there over Bonucci uh, yeah. right now, um, but you know that didn't happen, and we have to live with that. Uh, but you know, 
look at this this Lazio team all of a sudden just uh one, two, three, four. Let's see, five. Let me see. I'm, I'm going back to try to find out how, how long they've been on a let's see. Uh yeah, five straight games without conceding a goal. After since that two no I mean it just in City out there. they they were conceding goals in conference, but um how about this, man? I just it's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive to see. I mean a Casale Romagnoli back, you know, center back pairing for the Azzurri might not be a bad thing at the moment, just the way they're playing with Lazio. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah, I mean I would do it. I mean, if they're in that kind of form playing well and they're seeing decent they're seeing pretty good attacking players. It's not like they're yeah. it's not like they're not. I would I would I would have and 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 run them out there against I mean, don't do it against England, but do it against Malta. And yeah. see what see how it looks. And then you get your next round of international and then, you know, try it against North Macedonia. You know, and then just kind of make the progression and build those two together. If they're playing well together at Lazio, Maybe it does translate to the Azzurri. So, um, so I don't hate the idea at all, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, banging the drum. Nico Casale should be in this. Uh, almost, you couldn't even make the argument. I mean, yeah, and Cal, the, 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 the defensive record is very, very impressive. They've conceded 19 goals. Second best defensive record in the league. Yeah. Uh, behind Napoli, have conceded 16. Yeah. So, two teams that we assume for attacking football are – Defending like crazy, and they're two they're the two best defenses in the league. Yeah, um, we didn't think we'd ever. We, we when did we ever think we would say that Napoli and Lazio would be better defensively than Juve, Inter, you know, and Roma with Jose Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. So this has been a crazy season, hasn't it? It has. It, no, it certainly has. <laughs> From top to bottom, it just uh, crazy results happen. You know, week in week out, and you know, reigning champions not playing well. You know. Napoli, obviously, they're having a fantastic season, fully deserved. You know, nobody wants second place, it seems like. Juventus mm-hmm. with their 50 point deduction, but they're playing second best ball in the league. So, yeah, it's just so much going on in the league, which is it's, it's wonderful. Definitely. Definitely. So, let's just quick whip through the rest of City A here, Richard. Um, looking at uh, things happened on my birthday. I got to watch a little couch on my birthday. So, it's kind of cool. We have uh, Sassuolo. Continuing their winning ways, beating Spezia was a Domenico Berardi penalty. Um, but if anybody watched this game, well, Loriente and, and Berardi looked fantastic. Yes, uh, did. You know, didn't have as much of the ball as Spezia did, but were so much more dangerous than uh, than Spezia were. So deserved win for them as they continue keep, to keep things going. We thought we had a shock on the cards in the second game. Empoli pulled ahead of Atalanta with Tyrone Ebuihi in the 44th minute. Uh, but it would be Martin Daron in the 58th minute. And that meant, again, Rasmus Hoyland, um, another revelation. Uh, where does Atalanta find these guys? Uh, 2-1 for Ledea as uh, they win to try to keep hopes alive of a top-four finish. Uh, other side of the table, Monza Cremonese, that ended by that ended 1-1. Honors even there. Uh, Ciofani scoring in the 61st minute. Carlo, Carlos Augusto scoring in the 69th, uh, canceling each other out there. Um, uh, really a game controlled by Monza. Should have gotten three points out of this. Didn't. Uh, Salernitana and Bologna, this game ended 2-2. One of the more entertaining games of the round, really, Richard. Absolutely. Um, Lorenzo Piola, we've been, we hyped this guy up a few weeks ago as a defender. 
in this Salernitana setup. Uh, keep an eye on this kid. He's pretty decent um, as a defender. But then he gets a goal off an Antonio Candreva cross here. Uh, 11th minute, Lewis Ferguson uh, levels on a assist from Kyriakopoulos. Uh, we go into halftime 1-1. Bulay Diaz scoring to make it 2-1. Uh, Liko Giannis uh, leveling it at 2 uh, that was all the scoring that happened there. 24 shots between both teams. Um, and then the uh, uh, mild surprise, but if you're a Milan supporter, going to Friuli is like pulling teeth, and it happened again. Uh, 3-1 to Udinese. Roberto Pereira in the ninth minute, some incredibly irresponsible defending all the way around, leading, leading to that goal. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic would get a penalty uh, in stoppage time of the first half that he would have, that would be saved. Uh, there was encroachment, but he retakes it. He scores becoming the oldest player in Serie A history, uh, to score a goal at age 41. Uh, but, uh, when is a team most vulnerable after they score a goal and right away coming the other way, just before halftime, Beto puts Udinese up, uh, two, one Kingsley, a he's, uh, in the 70th, making it 3-1 uh, to wrap up the three points for Sotil's men. Uh, Milan, 64% of the possession, six chances on target. Uh, very good performance from Silvestri and goal has to be said. Yes. Um, but uh, in the end, a win for Udinese um, in an uncharacteristically undisciplined uh, effort from the Rossoneri. Um, Sampdoria, this is what it looks like when they score goals. Um, cause everything else has been there for Sampdoria. They just don't score enough. And exactly. it, it was Manolo, Manolo Gabbiadini with a brace in the 24th. Oh, I lost my earpiece. That's right. Okay. Um, in the 24th and 35th minutes, um, and then, uh, it got a little interesting there in the 88th Faraoni in the 88th scoring, uh, for Hellas Verona, but then Zanoli slams the door shut in the 93rd. Uh, three points there for Sampdoria in a releg- – well, not really a relegation six-pointer because this was 18th against 19th. Um, Odero with a very good performance in goal, had five saves. Uh, that's worth noting. Um, but a big, big win there for Stankovic. And Sampdoria, Fiorentina winning 1-0 over Lecce on an own goal by Antonino Gallo. Um, not much to report here. Fiorentina were in cruise control with this one. Um, 18 shots, outshot Lecce 18-8, had a lot of the possession. Probably should have scored a little bit more here, just didn't. Uh, and then finally, Napoli just doing Napoli things. 4-0 over Torino. Um, it started with Ossiman in the ninth minute from Sialinski, Kvaratelia with a penalty in the 35th, Victor Ossiman in the 51st from Oliveira, uh, and then it was Ndombele after a beautiful uh, – that's my goal of the week, by the way. Um, okay. okay. Beautiful counterattack, beautiful team football finished by Ndombele. Just that is the essence of what Napoli has been this season. Um, a 4-0 thrashing of a pretty good Torino team has to be said. Um, so, uh, Napoli taking care of business there. Where would you like to start? 
We'll start with we'll start with the back. I mean, Napoli winning uh, four nothing. I mean, they went up early, obviously early. Um, Osimhen gets you know gets his twentieth goal of the season. Ultimately gets his twenty first of the season. Leads the league by a substantial amount. Uh, easy copy Conier winner at the moment. Uh, but yeah, you know, it wasn't like Torino were laying over for them. Torino came to play. I thought first thirty minutes Torino were playing really well. They just were lacking a goal. I thought Moret was fantastic in this game. He had some huge saves in the first half in particular. Uh, but this is what Napoli do. They come at you wave after wave after wave. You get Osimhen, there's Gavrashele, then there's there's Labotka, there's Ngisa, there's Mdobele. There's there's this wave after wave of player, and they just wear you down, and, and then they they pounce on your mistakes, and, and Napoli took full advantage of it. Uh, Osimhen is fantastic in the air. As he's, I mean, that, that goal that Osimhen scores, second goal, that's a goal of the week for me, or one of the goals of the week candidate for me. What a beautiful play there, and this wonderful finish. Olivero with a lovely pass. Uh, but it just... Napoli are just so consistent, and that's why they are at the top by a lot. Um, they have their off games, but they find ways to win. They're they're yep. very consistent in that regard. And full credit goes to Spalletti for getting his team ready to play. And you know, this, whether it's Champions League, whether it's Serie A, they they find a way to get it done. Maybe not so much in Coppa Italia, but you know, we can overlook that as fast as fantastic as they're playing. So uh, well done by them. Um, yeah, Fiorentina should have done a lot better. Um, uh, Lecce had their, had a couple moments here. Falcone had some saves as well, but I think uh, ultimately Fiorentina uh, continue the, the the fine form that they've been lately. You know, it's good to see them. It's actually um, good to see the win because you know, uh, shout out to 60 Minutes. They had a nice piece on Rocco Comiso uh, this weekend as well. So a l- little bit of uh, double Fiorentina action going on this weekend. So if you missed it on 60 Minutes, go check it out. Good p- good piece on Rocco Comiso. So definitely check that out. Um, Sampdoria, like you said, I think uh, good for them that they finally get some goals here. I think. We've been saying that maybe this is a team that, you know, Stankovic can pull out of the doldrums and find a way to survive. And then obviously this relegation six-pointer was huge. And um, getting three goals, maybe they can finally find a way to start scoring. Now, yeah, they got a little bit of luck. Uh, but, I mean, like that goal that Zanoli scored was really nice. Obviously, Gabudine with his nice rocket, that was a great goal there. Um, so, you know, they're doing some good things as well. Um Bologna, Salernitana was very entertaining. I thought Monza had a lot of... St- Sleek, suave plays where like the one touch passing should have mm-hmm. done better, should have done better, like you said. Uh, but you know, the ultimate oh, before I get to Milan, I thought Sassuolo again continue their fine form. We talk about four games in a row now that they're winning. Spezia wasn't like they were bad. I think Dragowski should get so much credit. We've been talking for years. I mean, he's, he's a good, he's a good goalkeeper, he's, he's a solid yeah. goalkeeper, and he made fantastic saves in this game. Uh, he continues to be if, if Spezia survive. He'll be one of the main reasons. Him and Enzola. I thought there's the two main guys for that team on, on either end of the pitch. And uh, Dragowski had to come up with some huge saves in this game. And still, Sassuolo found a way to win. It's like you said, Loriente and, and Barardi were just so good in this game. Fratesi was doing some magic in the middle as well. Um, and obviously, you know, guys like um, um, uh, Defrel and, and company, they, you know, they were contributing as well. So, yeah, it's a good game overall uh, for Sassuolo. But they've continued to find ways to get the results. And then, you know, the Milan game. Um, obviously, it's a bitter, bitter, sweet, bitter taste in, in our mouths. I think the uh, penalty, as Dominic alluded to, wasn't a penalty. I don't think Milan deserved a penalty in that play. And and, and it was, I almost said the ball don't lie when the goal didn't happen. But obviously, they retook it and then Zlatan you know, got the record. Um, but that shouldn't have been a goal. But also, the, the third goal for Udinese, I don't think should have happened as well. I think there was a foul on, on Malik Chow that should have been called. It wasn't. Regardless, I think Udinese were absolutely deserved winners in this game there. Um, it leaves you wondering, and we've been through this before when Milan have made deep runs in the Champions League and looked not that great in the league, and we're seeing it again. 
And it's frustrating because they should be doing a lot better. They're making stupid, silly mistakes over and over again. It doesn't matter if it's Manon and Goal or, or, or uh, Tatarasano. Uh, they just continue to make these mistakes, and it's Pioli not adapting well enough. Uh, the team is looking foolish at the moment, and right now they're the team that's seven points ahead of Juventus with this 15-point deduction. They don't make the top four. It's probably going to be Pioli's job, you know, they, unless they win the Champions League. You know, or make it to the final or something like that, something crazy. Um, but uh, it, it's infuriating because, you know, like on one hand, like I said, they're doing really well in Champions League and they are they have just as good a chance as any Italian team to make it to the finals. Yes, you're facing a daunting Napoli team, but they can be had. They're not invincible. And so, I mean, it would be a Milan thing to do is go win the Champions League and, and finish in fifth place and still get the Champions League spot, right? So, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to watch right now and it's... Hard not to blame Pioli, but there's a lot of people at fault on, on, for them not playing well. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the, on the weekend? The, the troubling thing for me is how easily this team falls apart when just one player is missing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, no Teo Hernandez, which could have provided a little bit of influence uh, on this game. You don't you're not as concerned about Fode Balo Toure as you are about Teo Hernandez. He almost scored though. (laughs) Yeah. Almost. You know, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a starting 11 right now in football. That's more of a house of cards than Milan. That if one of them is out, the whole thing falls apart. Um, You know, I think that striker, you can play Giroud or Ibrahimovic. I don't think you can play Origi. Um, no. uh, you know, Brahim Diaz is serviceable in the role that he's in. You'd like to see CDK play more. Clearly, Milan think there's a confidence, and Pioli thinks there's a confidence problem with him to trust him to give him more minutes than he's getting. Um, you know, and and you know, and, and you know, I'll ask the. I'll say the same thing. I'll ask the same question, you know, or any of us at Milanello every day. True. You know, we, True. we're not at the training. We're not seeing what's going on. You know, we're not seeing what we're missing here. You know, it's it's, some, it's very, very convenient for Milan Twitter and for guys to go out and say, you know, <clears throat> we put Chow out there and he's performing really well. Why aren't we giving Oddly more of a run out? Why aren't we giving Bronx more of a run out? Well, we weren't suffering we're not suffering at those positions as much. I mean, okay, go ahead. In this in this particular formation, go ahead, give Branks a try. Who you want to take? You want to take out Tonali? He's take not playing there. Well, it's an interesting argument I heard over the weekend, uh, and and I forget who it was it was Lisi and somebody, uh, and they're talking about Tonali. Tonali does seem like a shell of himself, Benacer to an extent as well. Um, and I think that what the the argument was or the conversation was is that Frank Kessie, for everything that we we took for took it for granted <clears throat> well was his great box to box midfielder caused a lot of havoc in that derby last year he was fantastic playing in the attacking attacking midfielder role completely snuffing out the inter midfield uh and allowed guys like Benacer and Tonali to really be the freedom to be the offensive geniuses that they end up becoming uh, and without him there without a bulldog in the middle sorry rather Krunich it doesn't seem like they're the same team. And, you know, to an extent that's yes. And I agree with that. And another extent is like, well, it's a different team, different setup. And um, you can go either way, but I mean, it, it was interesting, interesting to hear that. And, I mean, Kessie, obviously the president uh, scores the uh, game winner in the El Clasico this weekend too. So uh, that's uh, another reason his name was for, forefront for everyone. I think it's the ground that Kessie covered 
It was Anthony. It was Anthony. There you go. Yeah. I think it's the ground that Kessie covered that allowed Tonali to maybe have a little more freedom where he doesn't have that anymore. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't have that safety valve that he's partnered with in the midfield. Benesser and Tonali can arguably be two of the same guy functionally. Yeah. They, they, they both like to play make from deeper positions. Um, Benesser might be a little bit better on the tackle than Tonali is. Um, you know, so, but you, you don't have that engine room guy that will just absorb all the space that will cover all the ground that'll, that'll free you up. And if you had a and, playmaker, that would also help as well, which they don't. I think they're trying to get that out of the combination of Tonali and Benesser from those positions. And then, and Brahim yeah. too, and as well. And, but that's, it's, it just hasn't clicked continuously or consecutively yeah. or consistently or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's a really it's a really rigid team right now in the way that it's set up. Um, you know, but I think if you want a three four two one, if you're gonna play with two center midfielders against anybody right now, I mean <clears throat> you know, I, look at what we talked when we talked about Atalanta for years and how much they they wanted to dominate the ball in that three four two one setup and those two center midfielders just got run through, you know just got run ragged because they kept playing higher. And then there's the huge gap between them and the back three. And then teams were exploiting them going the other way. And, and Gasparini had to change that, you know, and he had to get his midfielders to be more compact um, and more connected with his back three. Um, you know, Pioli might, you know, Pioli has to do that, but characteristically, when you look at Atalanta and who are the players that play in those roles right now in that same formation, Martin Daron who you could argue is kind of you're not using Duron for playmaking, although he scored a goal on Friday. He did. Yeah. Um are, are, are Tonali or and Benesser characteristically what Duron is. Partially at best. It's um it's, and I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting here and holding me before before everybody loses their shit. I'm not saying Martin Duron is a better player than Tonali or Benesser. I think that Duron has a functional responsibility in the same formation that his characteristics allow him to execute it a little bit better. He's funnier on Twitter. And he's um, funnier on Twitter, exactly. It's uh it's it's funny how the, the two managers who were lauded for how brilliant they are and the marvelous job they did with their teams. I'm talking about Inzaghi and Pioli are two guys who are now mentioned at the forefront as it would be with, at, at big clubs that, you know, their names are on the chopping block if they don't, you know, do well here in the, in the coming weeks. So uh, we'll see how both their, their, their positions fail or, or can they hang on? Uh, obviously Conte is possibly being let go very soon from Tottenham after his, uh, his uh, tirade the other day against the club. So yeah, it's just typical Italian managers, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would want Antonio Conte to come to Milan. I wouldn't. Um, what's that? I would not. No, I, I, I wouldn't. So, I who I mean, who knows? I mean, it just yeah, it's a funk. And and you know what? And and Zlatan Ibrahimovic made some very interesting comments after the loss to Udinese, and he said, you know, when you're the defending Serie A champion, they're all coming after you. Yeah. You know, as they should um, be. They're they're getting everybody's best shot. And some of this, you know, some of this might even be when you're, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Milan or any of this other stuff. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it for him. But some of this might be a lot of young players that have never been in a championship position before. 
Mm. You know, Zlatan's been there. Uh, Kiar has been there. Giroud has been there. But after that, who's been there? I had Maignan with Lille. Um, but the rest of these guys, you know, are learning how to be a – be the, you know, they're learning how to be the hunted. And you know what the you crazy thing about might... all this is? Mm. Inter and Milan are both still in the top four. Yeah. <laughs> For now. Uh, For now. For Milan now. Yeah. 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 Milan's top four, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Juve is uh Juve and uh Juve and Roma, I guess to an extent, but yeah, definitely Juve is charging hard for sure. Yeah. So yeah, Milan's in fourth, Inter's in in third, Juve's charging in, Roma Roma keeps tripping over themselves. Yeah. Juve's making a big charge. So on the one time on the one and it's time to be very uncomfortable. But if Juve gets those fifteen points back, Milan's in fifth. Yep. So Yep. Um but I think, you know, but I just I, I found it interesting for Zlatan to say that because I was never considering that. And you got to think about it. You had Tonali, you know. Okay, Benazir won the African Cup of Nations with Algeria, but he's not had to go and defend that title. Yeah. So, um, Leal couldn't be bothered to be hunted, and and that's another point right now. And I know a lot of people are talking about it. I know Mateo uh, and Kay talked about it on their podcast. You know. Is this the real Leal? You know, did, was he a flash in the pan last year? We got to start asking some serious questions, or is it just really, really easy to scheme against him? I still, I still go back and refer to the Chelsea games and the Champions League, where Chelsea shaded their shape in Leo's direction and dared Milan to beat them down uh, the right hand side, which is Chelsea's left hand side. And they couldn't, and they couldn't. So I mean, it goes back to all. You could go back as far back as Belotti and say, like, with that one year, he was fantastic. Everyone's ready to say, "Hey, he's world class." And it's like, give Serie A teams a season, and they can figure you out. And if you can still do it, you are class and whatever. Yeah. Well, maybe teams have figured out layout now. Layout, if he wants to be considered in the next class, you know, assuming he stays in the league and with Milan, can he bounce back and and continue to? Uh, push back right mm-hmm. um and same thing with Havrashele next year you know next year if he stays with Napoli how does he react when the team starts chaining over to him they're gonna do it they're gonna know his nuances and everything and how does he react to that so you know people want to be quick to say yeah this person's world class that person's world class whatever yeah it takes years to become world class you don't become overnight Hakan Chalanolu no sorry I <laughs> I think then PS. I think PSG is already tabling a 180 million bid for uh, for uh, Guevara. I saw, I they, read that the other day. Yeah. What's that? They're probably going after him. Also, I mean, anybody who's anybody, they're probably going to go after. I told some people that I know that I said that that Napoli could easily see 300 million euros for Guevara and Osimhen. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and Kim too, if you want to. And go they thought, I, and, and they thought I was nuts. I was like, they really can. So, um. We covered uh, Fiorentina. We kind of covered the bottom three a little bit. I mean, it's Empoli's losing games. Lecce's losing games. Salernitan is dropping points that they shouldn't. And Spezia is not really being very all that convincing. There is still hope for the bottom three to get out of this and to make a run because the three or four teams in front of them continue to trip them, trip over themselves. Um, I think from 13 on up is safe. I think Mons is going to be fine. You think so? Um, oh, yeah, point-wise, yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah, but Empoli on down are not – I mean, I, I'll, I'll argue this. Fine, they got the points down, they got the comfort, but they're not safe. 
Yeah. Because I, I mean, Empoli's now lost four on the bounce. Um, Spezia can't score unless Enzola's playing. Yeah. Um, which it, my sole reason for wanting to see Spezia get relegated is because Enzola will not go down with him. He'll he'll get on another team. <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and and man, will he blow up? I mean, mark yeah. my words, he will put him on one of these seven sisters. I mentioned Fiorentina, but man, he he could be a beast. Yeah. Um, and I don't think people are 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 showing enough respect for him. Agreed. So, uh, you know, and and the season that he's having, so and what he means to that team, he's 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 pretty much keeping Spezia up yeah. at this point. So, uh, goals of the week. I just had the one, the 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 Napoli counterattack scored by Ndombele. And okay. I wouldn't write off Sampdoria yet. No, I, I I am a you know what I I am a believer in Dejan Stankovic as a manager. Yeah. Um. And and you're right. They have the they have the schedule where they can navigate this. And if Gabbiadini can start scoring and if he can start getting some service, my biggest biggest concern with Sampdoria is who un, who who unlocks people on that yeah. team and who really who's pacey, who's giving a different dynamic. Um. That's the that's the problem I have with Sampdoria overall, but I I don't hate it. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Lona Rigi for Enzola. <laughs> Done. Do it. Let's if do it. If we can sucker Spezia into that, yeah, let's if, do it. Yeah, you know, Maldini better smoke a cigarette if he pulls that yeah. deal. Or Bakayoko, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, so you got double A goal of the week, right? Yeah. Uh, my top four it doesn't make my top four, but you know, that's, some, that's a good goal as well. I almost put it in there. Uh, number four is Zanoli from Yesse. I thought that was a really good counterattacking goal by Sampdoria. Speaking of Sampdoria, uh, yeah. third goal of the game there. Uh, number three, Osiman second. I talked about it earlier. Uh, the team play between Havrashelia to Olivera over the top. The Osiman Osiman is just so good in the air. Gabidini's goal, um, did well. People want to say it was offsides in that goal, but it off the defender over to Gabidini, and he just rifled it from outside the box. Top yep. corner, wonderful goal there. Number one for me, you score in the derby, and I'm talking about Derby D'Italia. It's going to be number one, and that's Zakani. Wonderful goal, wonderful play. Just, you know, Luis Alberto to Felipe Anderson over to Zakani, and Zakani, the wonderful placement of the shot. Little bend, and it came back in. Uh, it was just like a pool shot, magical there. So uh, that's number one for me. Okay. Yep. I just had the one, so I'll just leave it at that uh, instead of going to all of these specifics. Yeah. So, um, but um, let's move on. Let's talk uh, draws. The Champions oh. League draw coming out first. Um, Napoli will – okay, so Milan will host Napoli in the first leg, and then Benfica host Inter, uh, and then the winners play each other, which basically – this could not have worked out any better for Serie A. Okay, you're guaranteed one team in the semifinals. And if Inter can beat Benfica, you're guaranteed a team in the final. Um, So for at least two rounds, let's just talk about that dynamic first, Richard. For at least two rounds, Serie A is relevant in this competition. And I hear a lot of people giving stick for, oh, the bracket is unfair. I think it's fine. Um, now we also, as you know, as played devil's advocates, we as city out fans should remember back in 2007, there was three out of four teams were English teams and they gave them 75% chance to win the champions league and who won the champions league in 2007, Frank Milan. Exactly. So let's not count out Benfica cause they're very good. We both know, but yeah. yeah, I agree. I think we should be celebrating this at the moment because, you know, guaranteed at least one, one Italian team in the, in the semifinals, 
Um, you have a team in that in that mix, Napoli, who could win the title. They're that good. Uh, but don't discount, you know, Milan and Inter as well. You know, especially if you know Inter can get a result against Benfica, which would be very impressive. Uh, and if Milan can find a way to get a win over Napoli, that'd be impressive too. You could have a derby, de, uh, derby, uh, derby della Madonnina in the semifinals as well. I mentioned that, right? Uh, but yeah, just to have a Serie A team potentially one of the three teams in the in the final uh, and possibly winning it, it, it it's it's uh, it's a good good thing for Serie A. Serie A has six teams in the European quarterfinals, two more than any other country in 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 the, in the world or in Europe, I should say. So yeah, it's it's um. Good time to be a City Off fan. Yeah. Um, obviously, the other side of the bracket has some big heavyweights, and Real Madrid is topping the cake out of all of that. But, you know, looking just on this side, I think it's two tasty matchups, uh, interesting matchups, and I think coaching will prevail. Uh, talent goes a long way, but I think co- the coaches in these kind of games always prevail. We saw what Ancelotti and Real Madrid did, you know, last year. It wasn't just talent. It was coaching. So, uh, we'll see what uh, what these four three managers from Serie A can uh, muster up here in the last um, last couple of rounds. For sure, fun fact: Carlo Ancelotti has managed five of the eight clubs that are in the quarterfinals. Damn, damn. Yep, Napoli, Milan, Real Madrid, Chelsea, and Bayern Munich. Yeah, pretty so, good. Pretty that's good. crazy. That's crazy. I just saw that just a second ago when I popped up this screen. I was like, that, you know what? That's right. <laughs> so, oh, mercy. Yeah. So let's break these down. Um, for me, Milan-Napoli is going to actually be pretty quick. And and for my fellow Milan fans, they're not going to like this. I just I think Napoli defensively are going to have an answer for what Milan tried to do over the over the 180 minutes. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and I think that I think that it's I think that it's going to be closer than people think. I think that Milan will find their way to scoring a goal somewhere in there. But I think on aggregate, I'm gonna go for Napoli to win three one on aggregate over the two games. So, you know, maybe a Napoli get a one nil win in at the San Siro on the uh on the first leg, and then on the second leg in Naples it's two one. Milan maybe score first and make this interesting. Um but but uh, we can call this the Carlo Ancelotti Invitational if we wanted. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I'm going to go Napoli, go through. I just, I think, like I said, defensively, they're just going to have an answer for whatever Milan can do going forward. And you can't defend everybody on the pitch against them. You know, and we've seen now, uh, suddenly, and in, in, in the, over the two legs against Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, whether it was Lozano or whether it was uh, Politano, they made themselves dangerous. Uh, Zielinski makes himself dangerous. I think this is. I think this is a great tie for Zielinski. I think he he gets in behind those two midfielders if Pioli keeps playing this formation, and I think he eats. Um, you know, when all the focus will be on Osimhen and Kvaratskhelia, so. Uh, and I think as a result, Napoli go through. And again, I'll say it three one on aggregate over the hundred and eighty minutes. Napoli will uh, advance to the semis. Milan have to be perfect to advance. Napoli do not, um, and that's, that's that's a telling tale right there. I mean, out of anybody in the league this year, maybe outside of Inter uh, and Lazio, I guess to an extent, Milan. In, in, you can argue that Milan had played the best defense against Napoli this season. But that seems like an eternity ago, the way Milan played then and the way they're playing now. Um, based on current form, and obviously we're still 
a little bit of ways for the first game. Um, anything can happen in terms of form, but Napoli's been very consistent. We almost know what we're going to get with them. Uh, and Milan, they're very Jekyll and Hyde, like you said, and we don't know what to expect. Can they turn up and perform, uh, do a masterclass performance? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, Pioli and the team have the, the talent and the, the manager, manager to do it. But uh, like you, I don't see it. I, I think it'll be closer than, than the experts think, but I, I, I just think this Napoli team at the moment, defensively, they're better. Midfield, superior. Attack, superior. Goalkeeper, advantage Milan, but very slight. Moret's been very, very good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I think if Milan's going to get a result, they're going to get a result in the whole, first game at home, and then when they go to the, when they go to the Maradona, it's going to be a different result. Uh, and I, I see a one-goal victory ultimately over two legs by by Napoli, but um, it's going to be a, a true test for Napoli. But I just don't see it for Milan as much as I want to, um, based on current form as we see it right now. Now, when the game comes and the things change, great, whatever, that's so be it. But I think I don't see it, man. As much as I want to, and I think it'll be a good season going to the quarterfinals for both, you know. Inter and, and Milan and uh, maybe not Napoli because they just should go further. But, uh, yeah, I don't see it. I think Napoli ultimately uh, get by barely, but they, they get by. I think they're just too good at the moment. I'm, 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 I'm with Anthony. For Milan to have a prayer here, they've got to win leg one. But I just think Napoli are way too good. Yeah. Inter and Benfica. Mm. Um, Serie A has a problem with playing in Portugal. Um, and if you want to know how good Benfica are, go and look what they did to Juventus, especially uh, in Lisbon, uh, where they put four past them. Um, the, the the attacking power is all there. Gonzalo Ramos up front. I don't think scares Inter as much. I think the guys they've got to worry about. Um, João Mario uh, has is is excellent for them. Former Inter player by the way. Uh, so he's going to be very interested in, but Rafa Silva has probably the last two years has been some of his best football uh, playing for Benfica. I'm a big fan of Grimaldo on the left coming mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Uh, which is going to put a lot of pressure on that right-hand side, a little bit different than what Porto offered with Galeno coming at mm-hmm. you with Sanusi. Um, because what Benfica will do is they'll put Arsenez on the left where he's more of a holder and he'll play a lot more narrow. So that's going to give the room for Grimaldo to come forward you know, and be a danger. And then Chiquinho through the midfield. They haven't totally replaced Enzo Fernandez since he went to Chelsea. That's one way, that's one flaw to them. The other thing that I think that maybe stymies Benfica is for all of Nicola Nicholas Ultimendi's experience, he can still commit some pretty f- bad fouls at some pretty bad times. Yeah, I see this being a if 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 if, if Lataro gets the space on the counter and gets the Inter can win this over two legs. Um, I think if I, I feel great about their chances if they can pull off a draw in Lisbon. And I think they can do that. I think Inzaghi will set them up defensively. Uh, Chat's making an excellent point about, yeah, Kyle, about Inzaghi being, you know, inter under Inzaghi seeming to love cup competitions. I agree. Um, 
And I think that the matchup sets up well for the way Inter truly like to play. I don't think they're going to be ball dominant in either game. Um, and I, that's where I see the path for them to go through, um, you know, and, and, and win on aggregate, but they are going to have to just like against Porto, uh, when they went to the, uh, to, to the, uh, Dragao, they're going to have to get a draw in Lisbon, uh, to have a chance. Ah, so what, what my palate there. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you just said it. I think Inter are very capable and I think they will play very much like they played against Porto. Uh, allow the allow Benfica to have possession, hit them on the counterattack, play smart defensively. You're going to see smart Dumfries versus Dumfries. Dumfries. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I you know I think Kyle makes a good point that Inzaghi and Inter do pl- like these cup uh, cup style competitions. Inzaghi seems to. I mean, he got he got. Lazio again, their first win in the cup competition when he was there before he left. Um, he seems to know how to manage these kind of games, and uh, this suits up perfectly for the way Inter strengths are, which is the counterattack and, and and let the other team beat you. And I think Inter are good enough, whether they have got a guy like Skriniar or whomever available, even the team that current setup they have now, I think if they play the way they played against Porto, I think very much so they can get a result in Lisbon and go back home and get and steal a win. Uh, I, I think it'll be an all-Italian semifinal. I do. I think mm-hmm. um, Inter have... I feel much more confident that Inter will will be successful than I do Milan. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with Napoli, of, of course. But uh, I, I think Inter... No disrespect to Benfica because they're a very good team. They could very much win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I think Inter are good enough defensively and, and have the talent offensively to to catch them. And so I think, yeah, inter inter move on, but ever so close. Yep. I'm going to bang the drum for Italian football. Let's get that all Italian semifinal. Let's go for inter. Uh, so Napoli inter and just for fun on the other side, I'll say it'll be Real Madrid and Manchester city. I just think Bayern are flaky enough. Um, that's cool. I'm going to go with Bayern and, uh, and you're going to go Bayern Real Madrid. Yeah. Just completely not being the Premier League. Yeah, that's the one. I'm still back and forth on Man City, Bayern, but I, I'm going to go with City to start for now. But well, I mean, yeah, I could change my mind in a week. So, but I'm I'm, I'm sure that Real Madrid are going to knock out Chelsea. Um, uh, Real Madrid have to be the favorites. Period. Yep, yep. Period. I think they're the favorites to repeat this Champions League uh, yeah. the way they're set up and the way they play. Jeez. So, so good. Um, now, the Europa League, there is a chance for an all-Italian final. It's going to take some doing. Hmm. Um, Juventus drew Sporting Lisbon. I hate this draw for Juventus. Yeah. Um, because if they survive that, then they get the winner of Man United-Sevilla. Um, Sporting Lisbon are really good. Should have been good enough to qualify for this for the net round of 16 of the Champions League. Would have taken them over Tottenham in a heartbeat, but Tottenham ended up beating them out for the second spot was it, or, for, or actually ended up topping the group. And then uh, it was Frankfurt in second. Um, so sporting Lisbon, uh, uh, Pedro Pote, Paulinho, Marcus Edwards, um, all of them great attacking, very strong attacking quality. They've got good defenders with Quartes. Um, Adan as a goalkeeper can be really, really shaky. Um, you can get there. You can, you can, you can get to him a little bit. 
I believe it's Esgayo who has been the guy who is Esgayo is, is 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 the one who has replaced Pedro Poro and has been serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then Nuno Santos plays in the left wing back. So they play three in the back. They play a three four two one, um, and and they're capable. They've got so many different players capable of scoring. Uh, St. Just is another very good player for them. I agree, Kyle. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but this is a dangerous draw for Juve. Um, Sporting Lisbon are, are, are a very strong team. They have a very strong Ugarte through the midfield, defends really defends the midfield, holds, gives, uh, gives Pote some, uh, uh, some freedom there. Pedro Gonzalez, uh, or Pedro Pote, if you want to call him that. He's, he goes either way. Um, I think Vlaovic gets canceled out by Cortez. I think that if Di Maria is fit, he can be a problem, um, and I think that he can create he can create some things. Uh, I think Kostic can cause some problems. Quadrado. I think that it's they're gonna have to win with some width, and then they're to, to open up for Di Maria to be dangerous. I think Vlaovic gets canceled out by Cortez in this over this tie now. Does that give Juventus enough attacking power to beat Sporting Lisbon over the course of 180 minutes? As much as I want to bang the drum for Italian football, my answer to this is going to be no. Mm. Um, I think that Juve might win 1-0 at the J, but I think this goes back to Lisbon, and I think Sporting overtakes them there. Um, Juve just don't have a good track. That's the other thing. Juve in Europe just don't have a good track record against more the more unassuming teams in these knockout situations. Lyon, Ajax, Porto, okay? You know, these the, 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 the you know, kind of the next tier of European teams but are still really good. Um, and, I, man, I hate this draw for Juve. Um, I mean, but I, I, there's really nobody – out of these eight teams left in, in the Europa League, they're all very good teams. Um, yeah. but I think there are some facets of what Sporting Lisbon have that are going to be a nightmare for Juventus to deal with. And while they might get something favorable in the first leg in Italy, I think that Sporting are too much for them in the second leg, and they'll go through. Yeah, this is, a, this is certainly a tough draw. I mean, like I said, this and the other draw uh, for for Roma are, are tough draws. Um, Sporting just as Benfica, just as Porto. These Portuguese clubs are so good, uh, especially at home, that and they got so much talent, young talent. Um, at their disposal, and so it's going to be—it's a difficult ask, and you have to play stellar defensively. Luckily for Juventus, I think under Allegri, as of late, they played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to see the emergence too of some of the youngsters, uh, Fagioli, Meretti. Um, you're seeing, you know, Gatti having a good performance in this one. Obviously, Danilo seems to be back to his old ways. Um, Bremer is getting back to his old ways too, and then uh, Rabio seems to have. Living off of his uh, pre-World Cup, but continued through the World Cup hot streak, and it seems to continue on. He's just playing smarter all of a sudden, maybe a little bit more freedom um, than he had before, and it's showing with the style of play he has. Kostic has been very good for them. You know, Quadralia can always rely on him to come off of the bench and stuff like that. It's going to be difficult. They have to get a good result at home, Uh, and then going to Sporting is going to be difficult. Now, I've countered against Juventus, Several times in this Europa League draw, and, and even the Champions League, except but more, more so Europa League, and they've come through with flying colors, uh, especially on the road, which I didn't expect. 
Um, so I think it's about time. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back them on the road in this one. I think they I think they they move through. You know, I think over two legs. I think they they find a way to get through. It's not gonna be easy, especially when you go to to Sporting to Lisbon. But um, yeah, I I, I, I could see a win by two goals and over aggregate. I think they 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 certainly have the defense to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, can they get the goals? Uh, it's gonna yeah. be hard to stop Sporting, no doubt about it. But uh, I think Juventus is riding high at the moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Max Allegri. As crazy as I am, um, I think they can they can find a way. Okay. So we're split on that. Um, we we agree that Napoli go through. We agree that Inter go through. We agree we we're split on this. Feyenoord Roma. Okay, so Feyenoord's coming off of completely battering Shakhtar Donetsk. They're in first in the Eredivisie. A lot of attacking quality. Santiago up front. Uh, Jahan Bac, uh plays on there. Idrisi is another attacking option. And then through the midfield, yeah. uh, Kokchu is a very talented midfielder. Yeah. Um, they uh, they have uh, some defenders there that I rate. Um, uh, Lutzerel Gertrauda. Uh, remember that name. He plays right back. Uh, Dutch international. Um Got some very good defending qualities for a right back. Maybe not as good going forward, um, you know. But somebody that somebody that could potentially neutralize Spinazzola when Spinazzola goes forward. Um, now, Feyenoord doesn't see a defense like Roma anywhere in the Eredivisie or over the course of two legs against Shakhtar Donetsk. And I think that Mourinho will set this team up to frustrate Feyenoord in the first leg. I think it goes score draw. I think it goes back to the Olympico where Roma can win. Um, Kudus plays for Ajax, Anthony. Um, But that's what I see. I see score draw in the first leg because I don't think they'll keep Feyenoord out. There's too much power there. But um, I do like Roma going back to the Olympico and winning. Uh, and getting to the semifinals of this competition where they'll face whoever wins between Leverkusen and Union Saint-Gelois from Belgium, who, by the way, they're good. Yeah. Uh, don't just look at them and say, oh, Belgium team. That, that they <laughs> they demolished a good Union Berlin. They, they put Union Berlin to their sword, and I saw that game, and, and they've, got some, they've got some players. This, yeah. this Teddy uh, Tuma, is it Tuma or Toima? I can't remember, the midfielder. Yeah. Uh, decent little player. And then Boniface up front, um, among some of the guys that they've got. So I give them the edge over Leverkusen, honestly. Yeah, like, Leverkusen can be flaky in these yeah. kind of situations. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is an interesting tie with Feyenoord. I mean, Feyenoord, we know who they are. They're top of the Eredivisie, like you said. They're attacking team, but they haven't faced a defensive team, like you said. I think it's going to be hard to stop Feyenoord. Um, if anyone can do it, it's going to be Roma. Um, I feel like. I, I'm with you that I don't think they can stop Feyenoord from scoring, especially when when Feyenoord's at home in, in, in Amsterdam or Netherlands. Um, but uh, I could see like a 2-1 road loss or something like that for, for Roma, but going back home and getting the, the goals they need and like maybe a 2-0 win or something like that. I see Roma getting through ever so squeak, you know, ever so tightly, but it's through defense, to your point. I think Feyenoord won't be prepared to play a defense like this over two legs uh, you know maybe one off it's fine but uh, two legs on a Mourinho at the Olimpico it's gonna be a tall ask I think and I you know Roma surprised me last last round as well I I, I like Juventus I I wasn't so confident on them 
I knew how good their defense can be in the league. Didn't expect it in, in, in Europe, and both teams, you know, really surprised me. And I'm going to have to go with them this on this round. I think Roma will find a way over two legs to get past Feyenoord. Yeah, I, you know, so I, so we agree on that. Um, I think Roma have a good path to the final. Wouldn't you love to see Jose Mourinho getting Roma to the final to play Manchester United, his old club? I would, uh, I would love to see Roma and Mourinho against. Juventus. Well, I'd love to see oh that. <laughs> but yeah, but no, I'm, I'm, or, predicting or, to, I'm predicting Juve to go out to Sporting Lisbon. So we all know Sevilla is going to win this whole thing, right? <laughs> yep. They're in it. Well, because so. that's what they do. Sevilla <laughs> come to the Europa League and they win it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then finally, the uh, Conference League. Fiorentina draws Lech Poznan from from Poland. I expect them to win handily over Lech Poznan. Uh, to get to the semifinals. And then it becomes very interesting where they play the winner of Basel and Nice. Mm. Mm. Um, and then uh, the final would be any one of Ghent, West Ham United, Anderlecht, or Azet Alkmaar. So mm. uh, that's Fiorentina's path um, for the Europa League. Van Nistelrooy coaches PSV. Mm. Um, Anthony, Anthony's over two on the Eredivisie knowledge. I mean, he brings Anthony brings it though, so yeah. I don't play. I, I'll, I'll give him a pass for that. Uh, right. Feyenoord, who does manage Feyenoord? We're gonna look that up. Ik weet het niet. Who? I don't know. Oh, I, said, I don't. I, said, I don't know in Dutch. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> it's very close to German. I know German is is, is uh, ich weiß nicht. Ich weiß nicht. Yeah, uh, it is very close. Um, yeah, no, I think Fiorentina, like Poznan, I think. I. <laughs> Fiorentina, I mean, we, sh- we shouldn't be down to them, right? They've been doing so well here in Europe, uh, much more so than Serie A, even though they've been doing well in Serie A lately as well. Um, I-, I do think they're going to get by Lech Poznan. I don't know if I'm as confident as you saying it's going to be, a, I think you said easily or whatever. Um, but I-, I think Fiorentina does find a way to get past Lech Poznan. Um, <laughs> yes, Feyenoord did beat Ajax recently. But uh, yeah, I think Fiorentina against... Arne Slot. Okay. Didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, the the Basel Nice winner is going to be interesting, I think, for Fiorentina, and that's going to be a tactical game where I think you know Vincenzo Italiano is really going to have to bring it. I think they can get by Lech Poznan. Obviously, going to Poznan is going to be difficult, but uh, that, yeah, that'll be the tough one for them. But I think yeah, I agree with you. I think they can they can find a way to get through these two legs here. Yep. So, do they go all the way to the final? Do they overcome whoever wins between Basel and Nice? I think Nice will give them a. I think Nice will give them a difficult go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vincenzo Italiano will have to put on a tactical masterclass to get by what, the winner of Basel Nice. Yeah, I like Nice. Nice. I like I like Nice in that one over Basel. Yeah. Um, so we'll Anthony, see. Uh, Dominic asked a good question between Mourinho and Conte. Whose meltdowns are more spectacular? Um, wow. Um, depend depends how you define spectacular. Look, I don't see – here's the thing. I think Conte melts down way more than Mourinho does. I think Mourinho sulks when, it, you know, he doesn't really melt down. He just sulks. But I think, you know, but Mourinho's definitely capable of just kind of trash-talking his way through an adverse question life. or something like that. Yeah. Or even life, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the classic was when he was with Inter and then they had to play Chelsea in the Champions League. Did you ever see that presser that he did? Yeah, yeah, that was gold. Yeah. And then yeah. he he's like, "What do you say? I've I've gone. Chelsea moved on. I moved on. I went on and I won many things. And Chelsea won 
something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, he's just sitting back and eating biscuits. <laughs> of the two, he has the best sound bites. He does. Yeah. Um, I think Conte has meltdowns where he's just like crying, complaining, ultimately costing yeah. his job. Uh, yeah. And Mourinho, like I said, he's sulking a lot, but he's so funny in his interviews. He has the great, the best one-liners you know ever. You know, the, the, one of the classic memes by him is you know. Um, I prefer not to speak or I'll get in trouble. You know, you know, it just, if it's I just speak, it's so more entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> if I speak, I'll be in trouble. Yeah. So, uh, no, he's just, it's just classic, you know, Mourinho. I love Mourinho for that. Uh, they both have their way of complaining, I guess. Yeah. I, I, it's Conte. I think Conte just melts down more. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, it's on, he's on, he's on the way out and he's going to be available <clears throat> to whoever wants to take a chance on him now. So, Somebody with a budget, uh, yeah, because he's going to want to buy people. So, but we'll see. We'll see how that all pans out for him. So that is our breakdown of the European of the European draws. I think overall, he couldn't be happier for for City and in the situation that we're in. We have some teams here that are in positions to go deep into their respective competitions. Um, I, you know, you and I just differ on Juve. Um, I, I think they'll go out at this stage to sporting. I just, I, I, I respect the sporting Lisbon team a lot. Um, but I also see a path where Juve can go through. So I'm not <clears throat> totally going to discount it. Uh, so anyway, uh, so that's our draw. Let's, let's go through the Azzurri and talk this Italy England game here, Richard. Um, let's first talk of the, selection that will be available to Roberto Mancini for the matches against England and Malta. Um, The goalkeepers, Gianluigi Donnarumma, uh, Falcone of Lecce, uh, Alex Meret of Napoli, and then Provedel of Lazio. Um, I think the only debate is, the only only debate I have here is why take four? Who would you leave out? That's that's probably what Mancini was thinking. You know, I say it's time. I think you'd, I think you'd leave out Falcone because I think that while he's been he's been admirable and he's had a really good season for Lecce, it's it 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 has kind of dipped for him a little bit of late, and you know that that would be, but boy, that would be harsh on Falcone. Uh, to be fair, um, imagine Conte at PSG. My goodness, oh my god. People will be leaving that team left and right. Uh, I wouldn't mind, and maybe this is maybe this is uh, uh, unpopular opinion, but I wouldn't mind Moret over Donnarumma in goal to to start. Yeah, I think he's been making Donnarumma making too many mistakes lately, bad mistakes. You might see that too. You never know. Yeah, I think Moret's been playing fantastic this year. I mean, I like Provedel too, but not more than Moret. I think give Moret a chance, and what the hell? Why not? But Mancini, by and large, in certain areas, is has, has, stubborn. Has, he has stuck with a lot of tried and trusted. I mean, Nations League, he was forced to do different things with his attack when it just wasn't. I mean, because yeah. it was shortly after they failed to qualify for the World Cup, he was forced to do something different, and it worked. You know, but you know, the only thing I can say is that we don't know if it would have worked in the World Cup qualifiers or not because he didn't use it. So people have said, yeah. well, if he would have done, he got to the Nations League semifinals. If he would have done this, they'd be in the World Cup. No, we don't know that. No. So we don't we don't live in the world of of what ifs. So um, you know, it's just it's it's what it is. So uh defenders, uh Francesco Serbi, well deserved. Leonardo Benucci for some reason. Uh Bongiorno from uh, Torino gets in. I, I like him. Um 
Torino, right? Yeah, Torino. I better like him if I know what team he's on. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matteo Darmian, uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Federico Di Marco, Alessio Romagnoli, uh, Giorgio Scalvini, uh, Spinazzola, great to see him back in the team, and Rafael Toloi. Rafael Toloi, after having his ankles broken by Quadraselia, still gets in this team. <laughs> but there's no, room for, can't start over him? there's no room for Nico Casale. If you want to take out somebody for Casale, you take out Toloi. Boom. I don't know how <laughs> you put him in this team after that happened. Yeah, yeah, that's unreal. But otherwise, what do you think of the defenders? Overall, I mean, overall, it's not a bad lineup. Uh, again, I think the two weaknesses for me are Bonucci and Toloi. Um, I can see why Bonucci gets called up. Toloi, I really can't see why. And I, I agree with you. I think Asale should get uh, a deserved call up. And I think I wouldn't mind, like I said earlier, I wouldn't mind seeing Romagnoli and Casale. They've done so so well for Lazio this season, in particular of late. Why not give them a chance? One of the best defenses in the league. Give them a chance. Uh, and what, what's the worst that can happen? You know, maybe in a game against England, maybe not so much. Uh, Cherby's been playing really well lately, as uh, too. You know, good to see Di Lorenzo out there. So yeah, there's some good teams. I, I wouldn't mind to see Di Lorenzo and Di Marco on the wings there. Um, but uh, I'm curious who they who they pair with. I'm assuming a Cherby in the middle, or if they go with the you know back three or back four. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it just okay. I mean, yeah, Bonucci just out of seniority and the need for some leadership in the dressing room, but Toloi. I can't, I can't do it. Um, I, I, I can't be on board with that, but um, who knows? Midfielders, Nicola Barella, uh, Brian Cristante, Davide Frattese, Giorgino, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Matteo Passina, uh, Sandro Tonali, Marco Verratti. That's pretty straightforward. I don't know who you can, who can crack that out of the um, midfielders in Italy. I don't necessarily like Passina. He's having an okay season with Monza right now. Um, but Locatelli, maybe. Locatelli, maybe. I, I, and I, and I, I've heard the shots for maybe a Fagioli or a Manetti. No, not I, ready I, yet. I, I don't hate. I, I don't. I don't think they should start. There's obviously not going to start. But you know, give us an experience there. I mean, Pellegrini, uh, Tonali, Verratti, uh, Jorginho, Barella. They're all starting before these guys. But what about to see him in there over like Pasina? I mean, Pasina has done some things, but I think he's again one of those guys that Mancini's stubborn, likes to bring his old tried and true. I I haven't seen anything from Pacina that warrants a, a call much like Taloy, you know, or Bonucci, but no, I'm not mentioning these, so. Okay. Uh, and then the attackers, uh, Berardi, Chiesa, Gnonto, Grifo, uh, Pafundi, uh, Politano, Retegi, and Scamacca. Um, I, okay, so we talked about, Zac- I think another guy that you could take out for, to, to bring in Zakanyi is, is Scamacca. He hardly plays for West Ham. Yeah. Um, you know, Pafundi and Rotegi would not be anywhere near this team if Raspadori was fit, uh, because he's the guy that kind of came on as the nine, um, for Italy in the uh, Nations League games, uh, when they had to make those changes, he was scoring goals. Uh, but other than that, thoughts on the attackers? Um, yeah, I mean, again, we we talked about you know. The guys who are out of this lineup. I think overall, I mean, Bradi's obviously having a fine season. Kiesa just coming off injury. Nyonto is a guy who last go around was probably one of the, the bright spots of the team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Politano's done really well for Napoli this season, as you mentioned. Um, good to see Retegui, good to see what he can do. Um, I agree about the Skamaka comment. I agree about the Fundi. 
Um, and just some guys that are missing that I think should get a nod. Um, and it's, it's again, Mancini too stubborn. He likes to go with the tried and true. And I get that, but you've obviously had some trials and tribulations recently. Stop going with the tried and true. Go with somebody different. Find a new new formula. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad you got Vincenzo Grifo there because he's probably the most talented of the group outside of maybe Barardi. Um, but there's some guys you're missing in here. And it, this is a surprise. I, just, I can't understand why. He, I mean, if they, if they beat England, I will be shocked. Who's the nine? I mean, that's the question here. Uh, maybe it's a false nine. Maybe it's a false nine. They might have to. Unless it's Kamaka. If you play... Is Raspadori injured? Uh, yeah, he is. He's not oh, available. Okay. So it's almost probably going to be Skamaka starting. You might see Gnonto. You have to play. I think you have to play Chiesa on the left. Uh, and I think you have to play Bidadi on the right. I don't think you yeah. can false nine either of those guys. I wouldn't mind um, Grifo on the left just because Chiesa is maybe give him a chance to get healthy. Yeah. You could, you could see that too. You could see Chiesa. And, and Chiesa might be a candidate for that false nine role. Yeah. So. I think that's the biggest question: who steps in and plays the, uh, who steps in and plays the nine here against England? And let's talk about that game. I mean, I haven't looked at England's team. Um, yeah, I'm looking for it right now. Oh, here, it is. That's you said. But you have to expect. Um, all right, I got it too. Um, all right, I got it here. Oh, didn't want to show that, but. Um, <laughs> So they're at Italy, and then they host Ukraine in their second game. They're showing a lot of people in pra- practicing. I'm trying to get to their team. So goalkeepers, Fraser Forrester, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale. Decent season group there. Obviously, Pickford will probably be the main starter there. I would Pickford, think. Will, Pickford will start. Ramsdale uh, might might, yeah. might take. With, but with, I think Arsenal, yeah. Southgate's been using Pickford. Chilwell, Dyer. I wonder if Dyer is injured or not. Uh Guehi, Reese James, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran uh, Trippier, and Kyle Walker in defense. Solid defense. Midfield, Jude Bellingham, very talented. Connor Gallagher, Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice. Uh, interesting. It's, it's solid midfield. Going to probably be Bellingham and Rice there in, in a double pivot. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad shot there. And then uh, Phil Foden, Grelish, Kane, uh, James Madison, ba- uh, Bakayo, so- I almost said Bakayoko, <laughs> Bukayo Saka, and Ivan Tony. Look at Ivan Tony finally getting a call up after uh, uh, the mistakes uh, not calling him earlier. Uh, so I mean, it's a it's a decent attack as well. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good team overall. Yeah, it is. Um... You got to, you you know, priority one is, is defending Kane out of the game, which I think they can do. But then, oh, excuse me. Um, Saka's a danger. I think he's much better. He's 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 become a much better player since the last time Italy saw England at the Euros in the in the final when Saka missed the penalty. Um, you know, so there's some, dy- he's dynamic. Grealish, uh causes a lot of problems um Foden um is Mountain the team or no no he's not he's not okay um so you got to think Foden's going to start and some yeah. of that playmaking is going to come from him Chilwell could you know if they play a back four Chilwell could be playing left back with Kyle Walker playing right back is kind of the, the the fullback that stays home to deal with what's coming um, you know, just trying to gauge an, gauge an idea of how England are going to line up and, and come at us. I, I think this game, man, this game could be a grind because 
I don't think Southgate's teams really go out and score a lot of goals. I mean, there was there's a couple of games in there in the, at the World Cup, uh, the game against Iran, obviously where they went off. But then after that, you know, I don't think they scored more than one or two goals in a game. No. Qualifiers, um, they scored a lot, but against the smaller teams, you know. Yeah, teams, they'll score a lot against the smaller teams. I'm, man, I I don't think. Odoji is a, a good one. shot. I I wouldn't mind to see Odoji with with the with the Azuri. Honestly, I think he's sure. not necessarily starting, but definitely on the team. Sure. I I I I think this game's a draw. Um, and I'll Kyle's, even say this: I think this game has nil nil written all over it. First game out of the blocks. Um, first first game out of the blocks. First game these two teams are together in a camp in what four months. Well, yeah. the World Cup for England, but yeah. Italy longer than that. Um, Kyle so, says he thinks Italy can control the midfield versus England. I don't. I don't hate that sentiment. I just want. I'm just trying to figure out where the goals are going to come, without a without having our better nines available. I mean, I think Chiesa can create something, but Audi could create something certainly. Spinazzola back in the mix is an interesting thought, but I, I'm. I just feel like th- these two are going to just feel each other out. Go for n- and nil nil is going to. While they would love to win the game, neither of them are going to complain about getting out of their nil nil either. So, and that's, you, that's where I I'm mean, going. You'd expect England to play with maybe a four two three one, uh, like you said, Bellingham and maybe um, Rice in the middle there. But they've um, played some three in the back too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they got to load the attack. I mean, their attack is where their money is, right there. I, I think, I think they can have the Azuri on the wing backs. Uh, you know, guys like Kyle Walker and, and company. I think they they can create some damage on the wings. Um, I do think Milan's Milan. <laughs> I do think uh, the Azuri's midfield is better and they can control them. However, I think you know with the wing play and then get it to the attack. Uh, I fear the attack against the defense. Uh, you know, the defense is okay, and I'm curious. I see. I have this belief that Mancini is going to stick to his tried and true, and that's never going to work. As of late, it hasn't worked, yeah. and so that's what worries me. If he tries to to think outside the box and actually play players who fit the system and are in form, I think there's a good chance there's to be a, a good good draw in this game. But I I don't think he can do that until he convinces me. I think England find a way to win something like two nothing or something. Uh, I just I don't have a good feeling about this about this game honestly. I think Foden, Kane, and Saka will be the starters up front, the three men up front, and then it's going to come down to whether or not Southgate plays four in the back or whether he plays three in the back. Yeah, um, that's going to be the only. I mean, against uh, France, he played a four three three. Let's look against Senegal. He played a four three three, and it was Bellingham, Rice, and Henderson. Um, so we could certainly see the same thing again. Um, the only other option is that if he plays a three, four, three Walker stones, McGuire make up that back three decides to play rice and Bellingham in the middle. Uh, and then Reese James and Chilwell on the wing backs is, is something like that with the same three up front. So, but I, I'm going with a draw. I don't think, I don't think England come to not come. To, this game's in, in Naples too. It's at the, it's at the Maradona. I, I, I don't see. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going nil-nil here. I think if there's a winner, it's going to be Italy very narrow, one-nil. But I nil-nil feels more appropriate to me for a couple of national teams that are heavy hitters that have to play each other right off the bat and haven't been together, in England's case, three months, in Italy's yeah. case, longer than that. Yeah, I think that both teams will be content with a 1-1 draw. Yep. So a draw in some case. So – 
Those are our thoughts. And now we move on to the world's most popular hashtag game, Richard. Who won Calcio Twitter? I guess I got to get ready for this then, huh? <laughs> there we go. There uh, we go. Start with Yanimal. Yanimal, there it I is. I think the other the entry before that from March 14th was sensitive content. Okay. So Okay. Uh, I'm there with you. Well, it's... Uh, Yanimo with uh, Milan Labs, and it's uh, someone beating someone playing and trying to injure them. <laughs> that WWE was Gilbert. one of my favorite WWE moments when Austin hit McMahon with that bedpan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Okay, at Toti's Armband, goodbye, Lazio. Lazio director Ilitari Blast Roma. The Conference League is for losers like them. <laughs> Actually, wasn't it? Was this the one where he pretended to be. Um, Europa League or was it not? I don't think maybe it wasn't. Maybe uh, this was back when Roma was in oh, the okay. making the deep run in the uh, Conference League. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, all right. Apex pointed us in the direction of this one. This one comes from uh, Don Costa Rica lover, uh, and it's uh, at Inter is in my soul. Let Pioli cook. He's going to bring me a lot to the Champions League final and prove his haters wrong. The cooking. Oh, oh disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> No, thank you. Oh, no, no, I'll, I'll <laughs> just certain, certain, uh, certain cultures. I mean, you know, people, people can be what they want. I mean, I, there's certain things I'm willing to try. I'm not trying that. <laughs> Me neither. Okay. At, uh, Nem- Nemeser, is that what we're calling this? Yep. Yeah. How I've been watching the Elon games lately. <laughs> just, yeah. Just keeping the, Keeping the, the blanket over it and or the towel over it and then just kind of popping up for an occasional peek. Uh, all right, next up, Paris Niche, and it's with the old rock. It's a WWE theme here one. Uh, it's Milan using their UCL or to stop Udinese from scoring. I command you to stop. <laughs> not uh, we've got at Alessio Tackle. Been a while since we heard yeah. from him. Life as a Milan fan. The masculine urge to say we're shit 10 minutes after saying we're back, 10 minutes after saying we're shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on. The Napoli rant, and it says, uh, Italian authorities report airspace in Italy is now owned by Victor Osiman. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, At Napoleonismo, Juve players this season. Praying, I guess. <laughs> Not sure where he's going with that one. I, I, we've had better efforts from Napoleon Eastman. Oh, that's funny. All right, next one up. Uh, it's uh, Victor uh, v. Strandberg 9. It's Juventus Highlights 2022-23. Dominating when they Handball. win a turnover around the middle of the field. Using their hands to get down <laughs> the field. Got scores from four kickouts. Peter Cook with his first score of the championship 2019. <laughs> driving at the goal. He defends his He's still going. Another chance. That's great. I think that's our leader in the clubhouse right yeah. now. That's the leader right there. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, this is from Sandro S1915. Leandro Paredes que entra al minuto. Ochenta. Thank you, Dave. Enter Juve. <laughs> oh, with the old uh, Steve Austin coming down there. So, yeah. 
Oh, that's good. Sandro. All right. That's up there. <laughs> that's All a right. good one. Uh, this was nominated from Art Morelli and says, uh, I was geographically raised in Toronto, but culturally my upbringing reflected the working class communities in Calabria, Puglia, and Sicilia, Sicilia from weekly match days to the expectation that we should win every match, even bring them above as Juventino. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, Juventini in, uh, in, in uh, Italy, or I guess Canada. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So moving on, who is the best up and coming manager in football? Uh, and they've got Roberto de Cervi as among the choices because, of course, uh, British uh, wah, 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 the British wah. pundits only hear of these guys when they come to the Premier League. So, my goodness, my goodness, <sighs> I think Sandro wins. Sandro, okay, it's, it's between Sandro and V Strandberg. Oh, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> I think I made it better if, uh, if it, oh, there's the Ambrosia. The first guy was. The I kind of like the Leandro. <laughs> I, I kind of like the Paredes thing, but you know. Yeah, no, that's good. Take the time to get the faces in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a creativity. I'll give it to. You. Okay, creativity wins it. Okay. All right. Like we'll that. get. We'll go with that as our winner, Anthony. Thanks for nominating that and bringing that to our attention. So. All oh. right. So I will uh, go ahead and do that. You go ahead and uh, speak to the people a little bit. People, no. Uh, first, I want to give some shout-outs. Um, I already talked about you know the sixty minutes piece on uh, Rocco Comiso. Definitely go check that out if you're here in the states. Um, I don't know who else has access to sixty minutes, but definitely check it out. It's a good piece on Rocco Comiso. Talking about his you know his upbringing, how he came to own Fiorentina, and you know his thoughts on that. Um, also, shout out to Georgetown University women's team. They went and visited Atalanta a couple weekends ago when they played Udinese. Uh, good to get the. Um, did a little nice tour of, of Italy, but also got to go to the game at Atalanta and, and met the, uh, the general manager and everything like that. So you know, good for Georgetown University to get the, the, the women's game out there. Um, shout out to Jess Juve, our friend uh, Beppe. He interviewed Manu, uh, Manuel Locatelli after the game, uh, after Derby d'Italia. Obviously, they're uh, in excitement after beating Juventus, or excuse me, beating Inter. Uh, but no, that's great to see that interview with Manuel Locatelli. It's an Italian for those who don't understand. You know, find captions or whatever you want. Or, and then uh, last shout out to uh, Sven Goran Eriksson. He was at the Derby d'Italia. Uh, obviously, a former uh, Lazio manager there partaking in mm. the uh, and the win of, of Lazio in that one. So good to see him in the crowd. He seems very healthy, so good for him. Mm. Okay. Lots to uh, lots to cover there. Um, I really don't have anything. Just enjoy the uh, uh, enjoy the international break, everybody. Yes. We're going to take next week off, and, and we'll be back the following week when the culture yeah. resumes. So... Uh, so enjoy the England game, enjoy the Malta game, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk it up after after we're through all of that. So um, we'll put a bow on this edition of City I'll Sit Down. Oh, um, I'm going to get a little more in depth on the draw of these European teams for okay. the website on City I'll Sit Down as soon as I can sit down and write it up. So, uh, and then I might have a couple of other random thoughts as I start uh, getting some blogging going. So check us out on that website www com Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. Okay. So uh, we're going to start to get some content more populated on there. So, um, and, uh, and we'll have that for you here soon. So uh, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Uh, we have our own channel on Apple, Pod- Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
Stitcher, wherever there's podcasts, there's City on Sit Down. You can follow me at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Uh, uh, you can follow Richard for uh, grooming advice <laughs> at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on Twitter. Um, you just randomly did that or what was that all about? Who knows? Never know with me. Never know with me. So it's like Milan. Um, at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram with any comments, questions, thoughts, uh, topics you want us to hit up on uh, future podcasts. Uh, talk to us there. Talk to us at Facebook if you want. We don't check that very often anymore. Um, now that I've uh, you know, had my birthday and have had to just like everybody's birthday wish, um, <laughs> I, can, I can stop looking at it. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And here on city, I sit down on our YouTube channel. If you were watching this for the first time and enjoyed the content and, or, or if you didn't enjoy the content, put a like anyway and subscribe anyway, hit the notification, uh, bell, uh, so that you can be uh, alerted as to when we go live on the air, if we have any other kind of random video drops, because we will do that too. So that is it. Enjoy the international break. Enjoy the Atsuri. Uh, and hopefully we can uh, get off to a six-point start here. Although I think it'll be a four-point start personally. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, otherwise, for Richard, I'm Frank. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.